today we're doing the first part of our new series, um, F64. We're doing that. If you don't know what F64 is, F64 is like a freestyle 64 bars for any of the hip-hop heads that are here. Um, the reason we're doing that particular series is because throughout the scriptures, we, there are a number of prophets um, that speak and use um, kind of wordplay, rhyme schemes, simile, all the kind of stuff that all the kind of great rappers and poets have done throughout the ages. And today we're going to be starting off looking at a prophet called Isaiah. Um, Isaiah's um, a pretty awesome, awesome guy. Um, with hip-hop, the key, key thing is people talk about being real. It's always like, oh, it's got to be real. So like, if a guy starts writing lyrics, starts spitting lyrics, and the lyrics aren't real to him, so if I start talking about, like, um, if you heard me rapping, if that were to ever happen to society, that it would get to such a dark day that I was called upon to rap instead of Eminem, it would be a pretty dark moment in human history. But if I were to do it and start talking about gats and straps, you guys would be like, strap? Was he talking about a belt? Is that what he means? Just, just his belt? Surely, surely. Like, and a gat, is that a new term for, like, I don't know, his Bible? Like, and he doesn't carry a gat, and he's never carried a gat. Actually, I have once. I shot a bird um, in Canada. But apart from that one brief moment in my life, to talk about gats would be a bit of an exaggeration. It, like, yeah, he's had one moment in his life where he's held a real gun. Like, it's a bit unrealistic for me to talk about that. And for anyone to look at me and go, like, oh, well, that is so true for Andy. That is truth, man. That is hip-hop. That is real. There are people who just be like, man, this guy's fronting. This guy's faking. I've loved it. Like, I've done youth work for large parts of my life. And we've had moments where I've kind of sat with young people. We've done rap workshops, creative workshops. And, like, the amount of guys, the first thing that comes out is they're rapping about knives and guns. It's like, knives? What are you talking about? Spreading butter? That's what you do for your breakfast and, like, your lunch and that. You don't carry a knife. Let's not talk wet. So, um, when we look at Isaiah, and um, we look at it through the eyes of hip-hop, what I love about um, Isaiah is he's definitely real and he's definitely speaking truth. What I think sets Isaiah apart and the prophets in the Old Testament and what makes them so much greater, um, well, I don't think it's that hard to be better than um, a rapper really um, when you talk about it. Um, it's great artistic creativity and stuff, but meaningfulness is, is somewhat lack, lacking. But these guys um, have always rapped within certain confounds and certain rules and structures. One of the key things which has been popular recently by a certain number of lyrics that have been said, but has always been there since, say, the 90s, maybe even before, and that is started at the bottom, now we're here. It's always kind of a, we were there, wherever there was, but we are now here. But they'll continue to rap mainly about the there rather than the here. So like 50 Cent, if he brings something out again, he's not talking about really his business skills now that he has and his amazing ability to do acquisitions. He's not doing that, is he? He's still talking about when he was there getting shot up and things like that. So it's a really strange phenomenon. And so it's almost as if they've got money off of this, society, this particular cultural aspect and they want to sustain that particular aspect because it benefits them as individuals. And so they perpetuate a situation and they perpetuate a message that makes them rich and keeps everyone else in the place of where they were there when they started there, in that place, but with no real hope or means of transformation, change, and dealing with any issues in justice. Injustice. When we look at Isaiah, we see something totally, totally different to that. Um, so let's have a little look at Isaiah chapter 1. 
quick swig of caffeine. Um, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib. Israel does not know, the people do not understand. Straight away, he's starting off with some like kind of hard bars, some hard-hitting message. He's speaking truth. He's kind of challenging them where they're at. And um, he's doing it through a very popular form of poetry for them, which is duality. So it's saying the same thing twice, but with a different expression. So the ox knows its owner. The donkey knows its master's crib. But then, so he's saying, these things, they know their owner. They know their place. They know their environment. But he goes, but Israel doesn't know. And my people do not understand. Ah, sinful, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, still doing it. Offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, still doing a mad flow here. He's kind of getting into his groove. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They, have, they are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you still continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are... Not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field. That is a bar. (laughs) Like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Like he's going in now. This is this is this is hip hop at its finest in these couple of verses. And then he says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Like that that is like I don't know if you guys um still kind of or if anyone here ever does listen to hip hop. Like um just recently I was listening to I heard that like Tiny Temper had done something where he'd done a few lines slyly sending for Chipmunk, where he just kind of made a few like shots fired, hashtag on Twitter kind of thing with his bars. They were kind of going for him. And um, just recently, Chipmunk, a year later, just did a thing on BBC One Extra where he, like, just went in. And, I mean, he, like, destroyed him. Like, it would have been... It's kind of, like, probably painful for him to listen to. And so he's talking about it like that. And those kind of things have happened. There's been classic beefs throughout the whole of, like, the hip-hop kind of era and the crime scene and all those kinds of scene. Um, even so much with, like, young people in youth groups. I remember, like, um, Stephen... Um, a.k.a. Husky, who's going to be here next week. One of the things, he was doing youth work in central London in Waterloo, and I remember going to visit him at the stu- recording studio, and he was literally like, one of his youth in his youth group got stabbed by a rival gang. And the first thing he did wasn't go to A&E to get his wound dealt with. He came in bleeding, fresh after being stabbed, to spit some bars. And like, Stephen's like, no, 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 seriously, dude, you need to go to hospital. And the guy's like, no, 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 I just need to get my 16 down. <laughs> and Stephen's like... Uh, you're not recording anything, mate. You need to go and get stitched up. That's bleeding. That's not good. And so here what he does is Isaiah says something to the crowd that would have been so unbelievably offensive. He takes an example of probably one of the most sinful societies within the context of the scriptures, and he sends for all the rulers in front of the crowd that are listening to him with his prophetic flow, and he says... Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. And he says, give ear to the teachings of our God, you people of Gomorrah. 
I swear down, man, there'd have been rulers in that crowd who'd been like, nah, he is not talking about me. <laughs> he, he, rulers of Sodom. Like, no, no, no. No, Isaiah, mate. You're, 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 you're on crack. You're drinking something. You, you can't talk to me like that. Like, I'm a ruler in Israel. I'm a ruler in this nation. Like, are you, are you, I'm a ruler in Judah. Are you mad that you think you can talk about me this kind of way? But he just has this realness and this hard-hitting truth that he's saying, I'm seeing where you're at. And the way you're ruling is you're ruling the same way the rulers in Sodom were. You guys, you think you're great. You think you're good because you're Israel. You're descendants of Abraham. You think you've got it all down. But you know what? You guys are no different than Gomorrah. You need to hear God's teaching. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams, the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of, the, or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I can't endure iniquity in solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full and covered in blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do good. Cease to do evil. Wow. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's case. I think my favorite line in the whole of the first chapter is that one there. Learn to do good. Learn to do good. Oh, that we would learn to do good. Within our society, within our context, we assume we are good. We don't really understand um, what good is with regards to this Middle Eastern faith and the way that they view good and the way they view things. They kind of see everything in the realms of like um, what we would call karma. In the great words of the amazing Justin Timberlake, what goes around, goes around, comes around, comes all the way back around. That whatever you do in this life, it comes back around. So if you do good, you get payment for what you do as good. If you do bad, you get payment for what you do as bad. And that is the same in the Bible. It's the same in pretty much every single religion out there. Now, when I say that I'm good, or when I say Christian's good, or when I say my wife's good, I am not saying that my wife is perfect, lacking nothing, and could not improve on any area of her character and her abilities. I wouldn't say that. When I talk about me, I would never say to you, oh yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. If someone says, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Like, wow, you're perfect, complete and whole. You lack nothing and you cannot improve on anything you're doing in your life right now. That is not what I'm saying. But that is what they are saying. And so if you noticed um, yesterday, one of the big things that's been going around is uh, a little chat by... Um, um, Stephen Fry, who in his own ways is kind of sending for God in his interview, the video interview that he did, where he was asked what he would say to God if he met him at the pearly gates. I've got issues with just pearly gates, let alone anything else he said after that. But um, that was the question he was asked. And so he goes, I'd have a question for God. Children and like some certain type of cancer. What's that about? And then he just starts to go in and kind of sending for God about all these different kinds of things. And then he does it. And everyone's like, oh, well, how profound Stephen Fry is. This is great. Da, 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 da. But Stephen Fry is automatically standing from the premise of how we see good. 
which he thinks he can stand in a position and talk to one who is good and hold him accountable and responsible for the things that are within our society, within our context and within our situation and that God is to blame for all these things. And then he thinks that he can stand there, but he doesn't understand how karma works, doesn't understand how it, how it is. And so Isaiah here is really getting to grips with a society, putting them in their place, reminding them who they are and saying, you rulers of Sodom, and you people of Gomorrah, he's saying, guys, don't get it twisted. You guys are not good. You do not have it all together. And then for the next like four chapters, all the way up to chapter five, he literally just goes in chapter after chapter saying, this is what's wrong with you. This is what's wrong with you. This is what's wrong with you. Woe to you who do this. Woe to you who do that. He has these moments. Isaiah is very different from his people. And he's very different from the guys who write the hip hop bars. Because what happens is they started at the bottom. Now they hear. Isaiah started here and went for the bottom. You see, Isaiah's father is Amos. And um, Amos's brother is Amaziah. Amaziah is the king of Judah. Isaiah's royalty. He's put aside royalty to deal with social injustice and issues within his society. He's put aside his position of fame and power and nobility for the sake of those around him to bring them up to bring them out of their situation. He's almost like Christ in in Philippians 2 when Paul expresses that he didn't consider being in the form of God something to keep hold of. He didn't consider nobility and royalty just handed to him as something that he clang on to, but he put it aside. He became a prophet that would go and would seek to bring about resolution. But as he goes throughout these first five chapters, the thing about Isaiah is he's still on this high horse. That he's somehow above the people. That he's somehow better than them. And in Isaiah 6, what happens is there's this moment where he says, um, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. And he says, The train of his garments filled the temple. And when he says the train, the literal Hebrew is like the stitching on the end of his garments. The, The stitching that holds the garment together comes into the temple. And he calls it like the glory of God. And he says this stitching, and he he does some amazing wordplay. He says, Woe is me, I am undone. So he sees the stitching of God that holds everything together. And as he sees and encounters that, he falls apart. He falls apart and he says this. Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. All of a sudden, Isaiah stood on the high horse pointing down at the lower echelons of society, those beneath him in the class systems, and said, Woe is you, woe is you, woe is you. He encounters the living God. He encounters just the hem of his garment and all he can say is, woe is me, I am undone. And why does that happen? That happens because he encounters the glory of God. Now, when we talk about the glory of God, if you've come from a background like me, which is um, steeped in Pentecostal charismatic tradition, then there's this strange um, ethereal idea of the glory of God. But the glory of God to the Hebrews is this, it's weight, it's weight, it's heavy. It just means weight. And what it is saying is when we look at the scale of karma, when we talk about ourselves on the scale, God is on the scale. And when God comes into place and God puts his weight on the scale, all of a sudden we become aware of who we are, what we are, and that we do not balance on the scale. And that there is is no equilibrium. We have not in peace with God and with man and with mankind and with one another because we realize God weighs a lot and we weigh very, very less. And in this moment, Isaiah becomes extremely self-conscious and aware of his situation. And then God comes, an angel is sent, he takes away Isaiah's sins and then, Isaiah, and then God says, who will go for us? And in this moment, Isaiah says, 
Here I am. Send me, Lord. Send me. And then throughout the rest of Isaiah, he starts to prophesy and speak to a nation. But he speaks from a slightly different position. He's no longer on his high horse. He's now one with the people. He's on a level playing field because he's encountered the glory of God. And when we encounter the glory of God, we realize how much he weighs, how little we weigh, and how everyone around us is valuable, and how we're on level footing. Because the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned, and none of them balance on the scales when they're put with God. And when you realize that, you don't do interviews in the independent sending for God. Just saying. It changes everything. It changes your perspective. It changes how you see things and how you do things. Isaiah is probably most famous in the Christian world for a couple of bars that he said in Isaiah 53. And just before that, um, Isaiah 52, verse 13, I'm going to read from. Because this is probably, for us here and now, probably the most, one of the most important things that he, he has to say. He says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely, He shall be high and lifted up and be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, his form beyond that of the children of mankind, so that he sprinkled many nations. Kings shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told to them they now see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what they heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace, that with his stripes we are healed. All we are like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, he opened not his mouth. He's speaking, obviously, of Jesus. Surely he has borne our grief, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, that upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, that brought us restoration, that through Jesus, before this moment, when it came to karma, when it came to the scales where we would step on to be placed with God, we would be found wanting for all had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he would come. He would be wounded for our transgressions, that our sins would be placed upon him, that he would stand on the scales of karma for us all, that when Jesus would take that place on karma, all of a sudden the scales would balance What is my message to us today? What is the prophecy that Isaiah is saying? He's prophesying that one would come that would rig the scales in our favour. One would come that would rig the weight of glory in our favour. That he would come and that he would make a way and that he would take our place.
And what we can learn from that is a number of things. We learn that the only place for reconciliation with God is through Christ. But we also learn the same value that Jesus taught we see in Isaiah's life. That it's not about started at the bottom, now we're here. It's wherever we are, we seek to go lower and serve the community around us. Because that's who Isaiah was. But more importantly than that, that's who Jesus was in the form of God. He put that aside for all of us. He was marred. And he took upon our sins. He was afflicted. He was crushed for our iniquities. That upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, the shalom, the restoration to karma, the balance within our lives that restores us one to another and to God. I'm just going to pray as we um, end today. Father, I thank you for the words of Isaiah. I thank you for um, the, the, the amazing and powerful and prominent bars that he had. I thank you that he spoke out so eloquently. I thank you that in his own language, in his own rhyme scheme, simile and style, he spoke such beautiful, powerful imagery that brought transformation to a nation and is still bringing transformation today. I pray, Father God, you would speak through this message and bring transformation to our hearts. I pray that, Father God, we would hold in our minds the scales of karma, that we would realize that in the weight of God we do not balance, but we would have hope and we would rejoice in the fact that Jesus has rigged the scale in our favor because he has taken our place and that he brings balance and peace because he was crushed in our place. For what, in the words of Justin Timberlake, was to go around for us has come round to Jesus, and what was coming round to Jesus has come round to us, and we are heirs with him, and we partake in the goodness he has for us. Empower us this week, God, to be people who look to serve those within society around us that we need to, that we're called to do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, um, as we finished the last series, Lego, we talked about connecting, being connectors. Guys, be connectors. Keep an eye open. There are people all around us every single week. There is not a single moment that goes by that we don't meet people that God has called us to engage with, to share, to bring hope to. Guys, be that. Be that difference. Be like Isaiah. Don't just hold our own agenda to climb to the top, but to look how we can help others in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Sweet.